G'day guys and welcome back to Creative Coffee. This is part three with Caesar Bukowski. If you haven't listened to part one or part two, go back and have a listen. Otherwise, sit back and enjoy. Hi and welcome to Creative Coffee. My name is Shane McMahon and I'm your host. This is a podcast dedicated to my experiences in karate. I started karate as soon as I could walk. My parents owned a full-time dojo, so I literally grew up in the dojo as our house was on top. I've lived and breathed karate my whole life and have trained with some really amazing sensei, competed for my country, and have learned so much about the evolution and history of karate. And I'm here to share my experiences and learn. Enjoy. As I look at your black belt numbers, and I mean, I'm not talking shodan, I'm talking sandan, yondan, godan, rokudan, right? How do you keep them for so long? So this is number one, number one thing that people need to do. You have to have a curriculum, okay? Yeah. I don't mean kata. I don't mean 60 yeah. katas on, on a wall or 20 katas or 30 katas or whatever. You need to have a curriculum. The whole thing is when when, when we talk about smiling, satisfied, and sore for the lower belt, but for, for the senior flag belts, when you're talking about somebody who's been with you for 25, 30 years, yeah. I teach on Mondays and I have uh, four or five eight-dance take the class, okay? So they've been training 45 years or longer. They still arrive for a class. When they come for a class, I go, holy shit, you know, like, it's it's not, it, you know, I can't do a low block reverse punch front kick for an hour yeah. with them. They've been, you know, so I have to make the class something of interest to them. There has to be some element that they take away and they go, gee, I never really thought about that. Or, wow, that was a new concept. So it, it, it places a burden on me as a teacher, but actually it's a wonderful thing because yeah. that burden will make me better, right? So yeah. the, the whole thing is that if, if your senior students are leaving and they're doing the same thing day in, day out, you know, some will say for social reasons, because they have relationship, things like that. But the best way to maintain somebody who's been with you for a long time is to make sure they learn something new, you know. And, and the whole thing about doing something new, you know, some people take it to the very extreme, you know, where, where it's always a new kata, uh, yeah. you know, whatever. But that's that's not it. It's just a different different point of view, you know. So, uh, uh, you know, you have the famous... That's okay. That's, you know. Perfect. Uh, so just... Uh, you know, the famous woodblock print of, uh, of uh, Hokusai, the wave. You have the wave and a little boat there. Everybody knows the famous, mm. but it's actually from a series of, of block prints called 36 Views of Mount Fuji. So everything you teach in karate, there's actually multiple, multiple way, look, ways of looking around it, mm. presenting subject in different areas, in different ways, you know, things like that. Uh, so whether you, you're a four-year-old white belt, you have to disguise repetition. Yeah. If you're a 65-year-old eight-ton, in some ways, I have to disguise repetition as well. You know, there has to be a new way, so, you know, for the four-year-old is doing, jumping around, keeping busy. For the eighth down is, is developing the teaching idea and their own martial perception, you know, and it's, it's really a, as, as a mission of the teacher. If, if you're going to teach university, if you're going to be doing a seminar, you know, you're going to come to Canada, you teach, I'm sure you're going to put a lot of thought into what you're going to teach, right? Mm. Because you want to prove yourself, you're, you know, there's a lot of people watching you, whatever. But if you're teaching in a dojo, some people just walk in and they just start doing exercises you know and you say what are you going to teach them? oh whatever you know whatever you know so for our junior instructors we try to develop they write a class plan mm. and a class plan should be more than just five minutes of basics five minutes of kata five minutes of padre five and sparring okay well, let's pretty much any any anywhere in the world that's that's your you know generic uh, class plan but you know like today we're going to do kata so i'm going to incorporate pads 
So every time they'll do ending technique, there'll be actually a pad. So it'll be a low block punch punch, and we'll have to hit a pad. And once you spin around, front kick, front kick, they'll have to punch a pad. You know, okay. Or or we'll do self-defense. So the last movement of the kata, the other student has to do some sort of block, whatever. You know, and so you know what I'm saying? So just taking the same thing that you're doing and just changing like a Rubik's cube, just flip the thing a little bit is a completely different color, you know. Mm. So uh it's really, you know, that that's 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 retention. Retention is born uh, of uh, having fun for kids, obviously, but for the adults, is if something, if they're learning something, you know, when people leave and they go like, how was class? They go, wow, those, yeah, I never realized that, you know, there's 12 different ways of doing this, you know, like whatever. It's, uh, and that takes a lot of thought on the instructor's part, you know, you really have to prepare your material. How, how have you, so since, since you've been evolving and adapting and changing, because um, I've got people with me who have been with with me or my dad for 30, 30 years, right. and uh, I tried to I tried to keep the same sort of syllabus for two to three years, and then right. and then add something in or take something out. Actually, probably taking things out is, uh, as you said, purging um, purging a, a, a syllabus. Oh man, sometimes it's 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 so yeah. satisfying. Yeah. You yeah. know, you, you just start ripping things out that, that why are we even practicing this? Especially yeah. um, things like Sambo and Kumite, you know, like the three-step Kumite. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway. Um, do, do you know what the difference between Ippon Kumite and Sambo and Kumite is? It's how big your dojo is. Yeah, 100%. That's the only marker. You well, can do Gohan Kumite if you have a big dojo. Really. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. Well. <laughs> What's the difference between 45 degrees and 90 degrees uh, in kata is how wide your dojo is. Yeah. Right. So, um, like, it's funny. And how many students you have on the floor as well? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, it's funny, just a, like an off topic about people uh, creating a, a bunker application or something where, when it's a, somebody's attacking from a 45 degree angle. You know, like, oh, it's probably when that cutter was created or altered or changed for whatever whatever style that you are doing would be the size of the dojo or how many people in the dojo not right. not specifically somebody's attacking from a 45 degree angle yeah and, uh, yeah I, I always find that i always find that funny but um back to um retention retention because sure. retention is a massive part it when, whenever you speak to a karate instructor or full-time martial art owner they're they're the thing is, when, when they they say, "Oh, I just need I need help to get students in," because once they're in, I can keep them for ages. But that's that's not the case. That that. Well, that, can I tell you? It's, so I ask that question to a lot of people. You know, I used to do some business seminars and things like that. Yep. And I would say, you know, how many of your students quit every year? And they'll say, nobody quits. <laughs> okay, nobody quits. I said, okay, well, how many thousands. students do you sign up on the average of, of the month? They said, well, I sign up with thirty people every month. I'd be open for three years. So, so okay, so so that's three hundred sixty times three. So do you have twelve hundred sixty students? Said, no, I have one hundred fifteen. <laughs> but nobody quits. Yeah. So it's either they're fooling themselves or they're terrible at math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So definitely, you know, definitely the, the, the secret to successful school is to have one more student stay than than are going to quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basic math. Yeah. So when so when you uh, oh my, back to my question, sorry. Um, so over a certain time, when you've altered cutter or changed movement, mm -hmm. 
Do you have do you have people people complain about the new parts of the training or like why do um, we change it or I remember back in nineteen you know what well well the thing is if I change a kata it's not it's not uh, what and why you know so yeah. it's not like uh, you know uh, I come from of a of a you know background where you do seminars you know I would go to seminars. And be some famous Japanese teacher, you know, even Kinja Hiroshi's friend and teacher, Richard Kim, at some of his seminars, mm. where you stand there in a hall and, and you do a thousand punches and he'll walk up, take your fist and move it one inch to the left. You know? yep. Then he'll come by another 10 minutes, take your fist and move it one inch to, to the right. So, you know, those are all arbitrary things. And, you know, in JKA, they, they would recall the instructors and they'd say, from now on, the block is, uh, you know, this angle versus that angle. And if he said, oh, and they would fly yeah. back to the countries and the block would change accordingly to the thing. But for us, my question is, why are you changing the block that angle? What is the purpose? You know, yeah. so if, if you can if you can say, guys, if we do this is better, you never have problems with the students because everything is being taught why, you know. So so I and I look we look at a lot of things like boxing and kickboxing and grappling, things like that. And you know, certain movements, uh, you know, it's uh, for instance, there's a kind of called rohai, where you bring the hands back and you bring your hands out like this or different mm -hmm. styles. But if somebody grabs your wrist, if you do it over and over again, you have to you have to keep your you know you have to keep everything really really tight. So for me, because how do you do it? I go grab me, you know, or punch me, whatever, and that's mm. that's how you do it, you know. So so you, not even the bunka, but we call oyo or ini, the meaning of the technique, has to be spontaneous and, and you know combative and realistic, and it has to work on anybody. You know, you can't say no no the punch has to be a no you got to bend your elbow when you punch. Like, there's no such thing. Mm. So, so you know. You use sen, intuition, and you use ma'ai, timing and distance. Obviously, that's, you know, somebody who's very senior, they'll, they'll have those attributes faster than somebody who's a green belt, but it has to work for everybody. If you're teaching martial arts, which, you know, 90% of it does not work, that's why you're going to lose students to MMA and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and kickboxing, things like that, because they're such simplistic that, you know, a jab, hook, cross on a pad, if you hit somebody in the face, they'll fall down. But if you're doing very esoteric techniques in, in, in kata, you know, uh, they're not practical. You know, if you look at, you know, mm. the, the night, in the late 50s, early 60s, J.K. released some of these black and white films, which, you know, you can see like, yeah. you know, they're making mistakes in the katas, they forget the kata and they restart it, whatever. But they have these blocks, you know, like the guy punches, you block here, and then you turn back, you block there, then you go back to the guy, you kick here, you know, like, and then, you know, people like, you know, people like Pat McCarthy will come in, and they'll do this crazy bunkai for every movement. You know, we, we have to be open-minded. You know, we yeah. have to be open-minded. If if what we teach is not effective, it's it's our, it's not just a you know need, it's a responsibility to make it make it you know a living organic thing that is could be useful. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's I think it's all there. I think it's all there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think a lot, as you said, a, a lot of dojo struggle to attract adult members and retain adult members because what right. they're teaching is karate based around children's karate right right with a with those with the step back upward right. block punch right right um, and classify that as self-defense but that adult will only stay for a certain amount of time and realize hang on boxing is is a better alternative yeah, yeah. um the but but, but there, there has to be hybrid you could teach a hybrid system you could teach a hybrid system so when i look at walking up on the floor doing blocks it's a corporal exercise 
Yep. So we'll say, you know, this is this is the same thing as doing stride jumps in some ways. You have to do stride jumps, you have to do push-ups, you have to do the sit-ups, you know, whatever, whatever variation you do, crunches, whatever. You need to do that just to become stronger. So look at that. Now we use a lot of pads. And the way we the way I structure my martial arts is very kind of anti-karate in some ways because uh, at a white belt level, 90% of your practice will be a solo practice. So lots mm. of punching in the air, kata, basics, things like that. But at black belt level, 90% of your practice will be with a partner. Button training, yeah. Pads or stuff like that. So everything has to be applicable. You know, everything has to be applicable. And if you're doing a movement from a kata, there has to be three, four variations. And then you have to do it in a way where the person is not cooperative, you know, because it's everything, you know, in, in old Japanese budo, there's a tore and uke, you know, tori mm. and shite and uke, the doer and the, and the receiver, yeah. which is actually the faller, right? So yeah. if you're the faller, we already know how the, the the scenario is going to play out, right? If you're going to boxing ring or if you're going to a BJJ match, you go there, you look around, the other person wants to take you down or punch you in the face. They're not going to fall down for you. Mm. But, but I think there's a middle ground. You know, I'm not talking about being this crazy dojo where, where people are afraid for their life when they come in. The techniques have to be done in a realistic fashion, you know, and it's just every technique you do in the air, you should be able to do on the pad or heavy bag. Yeah, 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 100%. Um, when you're when you set out a, a uh, curriculum, um, how often do you update it? And well, it's, we, the... we have we have a we have a huge curriculum, huge curriculum. So, so my curriculum is, uh, you know, uh, what we put on paper is actually like a section of it. You know, and we'll, we'll move around. So, uh, one thing I'm, I'm I'm a collector of things. I collect everything. So let's say you know when you take someone to and you twist it. You know, mm. so in Japanese kotagayesh. You know, and I, I really learned that more from Aikido. I teach jiu-jitsu jiu -jitsu people because again we cross train with them and i teach at different camps with them uh so we have 10 different ways of doing it so we'll do it this way we'll do an elbow on the hand i'll do it from the back you know the, the variations uh arm bar we do 10 variations of arm bar rear choke 10 variations rear choke 10 you know so i'm not going to teach 8,000 techniques in a class but i'll take version you know this class i'll do rear choke one and next class i'll do rear choke eight from the you know like yeah. uh, as a thing but and the whole thing is that eventually uh, rather than being a copyist, you know, as, as, if you're a new black belt, you will basically copy whatever it's written on the blackboard. But my, my, my mission is to, for you not to copy on the blackboard, but to write your own essay, write your own book. Right? Mm. So it's, it's a process of taking you out to that level. So at what point do I cut the umbilical cord and encourage you to develop your own methodology? When you digest all these things, you know, you're not just digesting techniques, but you're also digesting a concept that there's a lot of things I could be doing, you know, and maybe, you know, whatever we cover, maybe there's more, right? And what about from Shodan and above, Shodan, Shodan and beyond? Well, it's like, uh, you know, for instance, we do a lot of Kabuto. So I trained with, uh, you know, I've been talking about quite, quite a number of times, and I trained with different teachers like Matteo Shishinpo on five different visits and and different different teachers and you know uh, so i basically collected all the catalysts so we do a complete ruji kabuto catalyst we'll do a complete matthias kabuto catalyst I, I have about five six more of both katas i have some yamani uh katas from kishaba sensei lineage of uh, yamani bojitsu and i have some older katas like now we're working on tokumina no kon like an original version of tokumina mm. no kon and, and uh, chenichi Chikinaka, which is actually older form prior to uh, you know, this whole concept of Ruchi Kabuto, Matesh Kabuto didn't really came into existence until really 1960s. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no need to 
give a brand, you're just teaching. You're teaching Kabuto. You know, yeah. when there's three people teaching Kabuto, you have to have a different name because you have to identify your group, right? So, uh, so obviously we teach different katas at different levels, uh, diff different weapons. You know, so I mean, we do you know both side tonton and chaku, or, you know, whatever. But then we teach gua, which is a you know a big hole, nunti, which is a kind of a spear. Uh, we do kurumabo, which is like a long stick, looks like a long nunchaku. Uh, so we teach. All kinds of very exotic uh, suruchen, you know, like swinging things, you know, all kinds of exotic weapons. But those are really kind of, uh, I, 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 they're almost like, I'm, I'm trying to pick my words not to insult anybody, but they're like, they're fun, you know, they're, yeah. they're like fun things, you know. Uh, Bo is the king and queen of mm. Okinawan bojutsu, you know, bojutsu, yeah. right? Uh, sai, you know, those things. But, you know, when you have something really flexible, like, you know, suruchen or mainland people practice, Kusarigama, which would be, you know, sickle with a long chain stuff. The, the chance of you failing against adversary who wants to kill you is very, very high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so I would much rather practice martial art techniques and martial art weapons, even though they're historical effigy of actual real thing, yeah. that have pro high probability of winning a combat versus practicing weapons which have almost zero possibility of winning combat. If, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You know, so, so I would practice those almost like a historical reverence but not really i don't really look at them as, as a competitive thing yeah um in in terms of uh shodan and, and beyond um how much how much of of their syllabus is partner-based uh as opposed to just because if you, if you look at most let's say jk for example right. majority of the shodan to nidan nidan to sanan is cutter based right you know they, right Unsu or whatever. Um, so, so for each for Nidan to Sundan, is there is there an element of of study? Uh, okay. okay. So, right. You know, there's two things. There's the syllabus, the teaching syllabus, and also your mission as a teacher advancing your students. Okay. So there has to be some some uh, sometimes it's contradictory those two terms. Mm. So. Uh, I created these 30 techniques. So we have three uh, three levels. So basic is against pushes or grabs. You know, somebody guards you from the back, you do somebody pushes you, somebody proceeds from the side. Intermediate is against punches. And advanced is either punches or done with a knife. So whether you, you defend a knife or they have a knife and you defend knife against knife. But, but sometimes atrophy sets in because you're doing these things repetitive manner all the time on the left side and even mm -hmm. on the right side. You know, you kind of you default to these thirty techniques. So we practice a lot of spontaneous stuff. We do, you know, uh, kneeling, self defense. We do seated self defense, things like that. And a lot of people still default ninety percent, maybe, to the curriculum things. But I'm trying to move things slightly off the menu for the higher belts. You know, third down and above, especially. It, it should be spontaneous. It should be creative. And it should be something which is which is their own, rather than you know, basically copying what's written on a piece of paper. Mm. Yeah, okay. That's that's interesting, especially when you I think at a sort of Nidan Sundan level is 10, 10 years of training is when you really start to come into your own you have right. your own style right. of training. Yeah. Um not, not specifically style of training. I hate that word style, but like your own you know, your body shape is different to my body shape. Right. My age is different to your age and you start to adapt adapt your own training to your own environment as well. Right. Uh, or your, your own inabilities or your own abilities. Excellent. You know, I equate to uh, the, the, the contradiction of the two words, martial art. Mm. You know, 
if you look at the, the root of Marshall, Marshall is military, wrote by wrote, set, you know, art is uh, creative, expressive. Mm -hmm. So how can you be set and rigid and military and be creative at the same time? Because there's a boundary you cross over, right? So uh, if you go to any famous museum, you know, the Uffizi Gallery in Florence, if you go to Louvre in Paris, you'll see students copying famous paintings or statues, you know, they'll sit there and they'll copy the Mona Lisa, whatever. That's how you develop your craft. Your craft is you have to be a good copyist first. You have to yeah. be, you know, good copyist. And then you can transcend. Like every every famous artist, if you think of a bizarre, uh, you know, expression of art, let's say Picasso, if you, everybody closes their eyes, they think of Picasso, they'll think, you know, the eye over here and the nose over here, and there's another ear here and yeah. three ears. But if you look at his early period, at the beginning, he was a realistic painter. He painted portraits. And he went through what's called blue period in the early 1900s, where he was painting his portrait, but there were only blue and, and a bit of distortion there and progression. So the reason why he can paint, you know, such an amazing, bizarre, you know, you know, thing or, you know, broad news descending staircase is an image of 67 people, which is actually one person walking down the stairs, is because they could copy something perfectly. So if you're going to do an open creative kata, you better be really good at your seonchen and, and you know, yeah. and basai and pinan shodan, whatever. If you do that brilliantly, only then you can move on to creating your own form. It should not be a band-aid for lack of basic talent, right? You know? Yeah. So so martial art for 10 years, you have to do like you have to sweat, sweat out the, you know, every, every term that's uh, you know, the, the sensei says if you use the term wuss, you say wuss, if you hi, hi. One guy she must whatever you just respond yes I will do it and that's it and then after you know that sundown level when you approach that sundown level then creativity then personal ways mm -hmm. and I always ask my students when they do something differently from what I'm doing I, I will never say is you're doing it wrong I'll say why why are, why are you doing this you know and they'll say well you know I got hit a knee here so I'm protecting my knee thumbs up you know maybe you know so I, I learned from that yeah I, I think uh, B, BJJ uh the average to black belt is 10 years um well it, that was the same in karate you have done yeah. that was exactly the same when, when i started you know so so those, those things are, you know it, it, that, that's already accelerating bjj now it's faster yeah. and faster because there's a lot more black belts there's a lot more teachers a lot more black belts yeah and that was, and that was becoming a commercial thing as well right so people need to go from belts and things like that as well yeah yeah a lesson plan um does each dojo have their own lesson plan system or do you all have the same how, how does oh, that work? The, the, te the teacher develops their own lesson plan but we all teach the same system so again you know if you have uh, 200 people walking test for the showdown in a gym from different schools they, they're all doing the same material mm. so you know they're all doing the same kata they're all doing the same cell defense set they're all doing the same pad drills you know uh, you know so it's all, all set but the teacher will, you know, aspects different stuff. We try to have a different feature for every day. So one day will be more basic oriented, another day will be pad oriented. You know, whatever, whatever it is. Mm. Uh, so you have a monthly calendar, and you know, be like focus of the of the of the day, because we want to keep it fresh and interesting for people. You know, but uh, but most instructors, senior instructors, with special classes for the senior black belts. You know, to a specific topic. And uh, one of the other reasons why we retain so many senior black belts is. Uh, you know, this whole concept of mind, body, and spirit, you know, like Shinji Tai, or all these mm. concepts. A lot of people talk about uh, spirit, but they don't really, there's not much of it in the villages for shared uh, mind. You know, uh, people, the, the reason why things like podcasts, uh, you know, the amazing uh, karate nerd group that Jesse Hancamp started, uh, you know, Pat McCarthy's group, 
it's because the teacher's not really teaching them what, what they need to learn, right? Mm. So they will go outside. And, yeah. and uh, both Pat McCarthy and Jesse Enkamp and other amazing teachers, they provide information these students are not getting in a dojo. I don't know whether the, the teacher does not know that information, cannot teach it. You can, you can certainly gleam it yourself. You can certainly research it and provide that information for your students, or they're lazy, or just they're not interested in it. You know, so uh, you know, some people are very historic, historic centric. You know, like uh, for me, uh, for like twenty years ago, I was obsessed about history. You know, like, mm -hmm. you know, I could tell you that the Satsuma landed, you know, on this part of the beach and this day at this hour, whatever. Right now, I don't really care about that kind of stuff. You know, really, yeah. I have a general idea of history, where things come from, the genealogy of teachers. I'm much more because I'm interested in progression of techniques, not just empty historical dates. You know, like yeah. to me, it's a living, organic thing. It's not just something in a book, right? But yeah. if your student's looking for that, you have to have a resource for that. If they're looking for something about Japanese culture, you have to have a resource for that. You know, if it's you know all those things, uh, you know. So if you, if you if you have a student and they're reading. 10 books a year on their own, that's that's wonderful, but also that's the information you're providing in Belgium. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting too. Very interesting. So, you, so that, that's a, a, a way for retention, a huge part of yeah. retention. Right, um, especially older students, you know, when they start hitting uh, late 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, they want to know more, you know, yeah. and, and sometimes in the 50s, 60s, 70s, there's a lot of injuries, you know, like I have, uh, you know, double hip replacement, I have three screws in my shoulder and things like that. So I, I train as much as I can every day and I teach every day. But in terms, of, I, I'm aware of my own mortality, if you will, you know, so mm -hmm. I, I try to develop more, um, you know, uh, more cerebral concepts of, of teaching, more cerebral concept of understanding martial arts, rather than just, you know, saying, do it like this, you know, so I, I, you know, I cannot, I can no longer outkick my students. They kick a lot better than I can. So, you know, that's, you know, my amazing jump spin kick in 19, uh, you know, 1975, it's long, long gone. You know, yep. that's like, yeah, I need more. Yeah. Well, look, I've, I've actually got to uh, wrap up because I've got a class okay, on very perfect. shortly. Uh, what a great conversation. That yeah, was awesome. we, we should definitely do it, do it again shortly because I have yes. another, I have a thousand more questions. Okay. Uh, that, uh, there's not a lot of people who are who are interested in the business side of of karate or business side of martial arts. If, if I can say, it's I really don't care about business. I don't really care about this. For me, it's about seeking excellence. You know? Yeah. Excellence means that you know, taking something you know, like squeezing a sponge, you get a sponge with water. How can you get more water out of the sponge? You know, that's really yeah. that's kind of my uh, my, yeah, my passion. This business is maybe the wrong term. It's more, I think more people are, uh, are starting to have a, want a better work-life balance. And, right. and when, you, when you wake up, like I, I wake up early to come and do this podcast because I wanted to, I love, uh, uh, you know, that was, that's my passion. So uh, I'm, I'm amazed how, how awake you are at 6 a.m. to be able to do that. <laughs> I'm not talking about, you know, going to uh, walk your dog. I'm talking about. Well, actually, you know, I, I walk my dog every day at 5 a.m. Okay, so, cool. and I, I listen to podcasts as I'm walking, but not, not my podcast. But, um, <laughs> and I have an eight-year-old son, so I've got no choice but oh, to wake fantastic. up early. So, um, you know, the, yeah, it's, it's a passion of, of waking up uh, uh, to go and do, to do something hmm. that, you, that you love. Um, I think more people, more and more people will start, will start a, especially after this COVID 
um, catastrophe, you know, um, yeah. they're looking more at their, their own lives and like, do I really want to be working for somebody else for the next 30 years? Yeah. What do I love? What, what, what drives me forward? And, and yeah. karate is, can be something, um, I know I certainly, when I wanted to do it full time, um, it was never about making, making millions of dollars, but it was, it was, it was about making my karate better and, um, and be able to spend more time doing, doing the thing yeah. I want to do and yeah. spend more time with my son. I, I take him to school. I pick him up from school. These flex flexibilities, um, are not, you know, you, you can't do that in every job, sure. but when, when you can run your own race and create your own syllabus and like what, what I teach is different to my father or mm -hmm. my father taught because my experiences are different to his experiences. As it should be, as it should be. You know? as, it, as it should be, yeah. And I can see the other, the other instructors in our, in our other dojo, their experiences are different to mine. I mean, while we all teach the same core, core, core karate and the core techniques, you know, how they deliver the tech, how, how they deliver that lesson plan is different to how I would deliver that lesson plan because we have different personalities. Yeah. So, um, anyway, um, thank you very much, Cesar. Really, really love really, the chat. Really, it's really my pleasure. You know, any, anytime you want to discuss anything or just yeah. touch base, and, you know, if you're ever on the North American side, if you're $12 for coffee, you can come visit us anytime. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, Normally, yeah, normally um, my wife is from Korea, so we go to Korea. Well, you know, we were going every year um, and then I would pop over to Japan or Okinawa for, for a week, um, but would love to go to, would love to go to Canada. Would oh, it's, it's Canada is, is Australia with snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Australians and Canadians are very much, you know, same kind of uh, mentality, same. Yep. And temperaments, same liberal views, you know, it's very much the same, except we have much, much nicer beaches and much nicer weather. So we'll leave it at <laughs> Wow, how awesome was that? A big thank you to Caesar for sitting down and having a chat. There are so many little nuggets of information in there. I hope you got as much information as I did out of it. Anyway, guys, I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to Karate Over Coffee. And if you're enjoying the podcast and in getting something out of the episodes, there are a few things you can do to help us. If you don't already subscribe to us on YouTube, please do so. We release these episodes every Friday morning, Australian time. Plus, we release some smaller espresso shots during the week on both our YouTube channel and our Facebook community group. You can also subscribe to us on our Apple or Spotify. Leaving a five-star review will be very beneficial as well. If you have any suggestions or topics or feedback or anything that you want to talk about, please put it in our comment section on our Karate Over Coffee community Facebook group. If you'd like to support us, please visit our online shop where we have official Karate Over Coffee shirts, hoodies and mugs available. Your continued support is appreciated and a vital way for the podcast to keep moving forward. Thanks guys.